Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, this, this makes it unbelievable. And uh, I feel part of me is Italian in a way, you know, because I have a lot of friends and grew up with the culture, so all the more special. Do you feel... Italian. Let's go to Italian. <laughs> I want to say, parliamo italiano! Siete i migliori del mondo, veramente! Incredibile! Grazie mille! Troppo bello! Proviamolo! going to Wichita, he's going to Austin, and he could be leading the championship. Welcome to Speed City. <laughs> Thank you, Nico Rosberg. I had no idea what a voice he had. What that voice. A, what a great day to the end of the day that was. You know, at one point in the middle of that, it sounded like he was almost making fun of it because his voice was cracking. I know that's not what he was trying to do, obviously, but it sounded like his voice was cracking. Well, the irony is Eddie Jordan's in a band, and he's pretty a bad drummer, too, so it's kind of like two bad musicians up on the stage on the stage. But a great day. But the reason I wanted to play that, that is a psychological edge massively now because the championship is now wide open again, having had the last six races where Hamilton has absolutely taken him to the cleaners. And it's, you know, if this were a tennis match, if this were the U.S. Open, it would be like, all right, two sets each. Yeah, let's take it on. Two points difference. Hamilton is up by two over Nico. That is it. But I, but I think the point is is the psychological thing. Oh yeah, is that absolutely. Rosberg is now back in his face essentially by doing all that. He's in his face, but honestly, Hamilton gave it to him. He dumped it on the off but, the start. But again, he said, but he said that wasn't his fault. But we got we got to guess. <laughs> well, if we you listen get, to him in the beginning, he says it was. And then he, <laughs> yeah, it depends on when you ask him, right? We got a guest who knows all about world championship rivalries and making it close. Uh, we're very delighted to have in the studio once again the legend that is Kevin Schwantz. Welcome aboard. We were just telling you how close the championship is in Formula One, but would you agree that uh, that really does change the tables a bit? Oh, to, to have out-qualified him like he did, Hamilton must have thought Sunday was going to be easy. And uh, yeah. you, know, you make a mistake right at the beginning, or I guess not a mistake. He says it was something that was an electronic issue or whatever it was. It wasn't his fault. Um, Brain you know, snapses. To, 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 to get beat as convincingly as he got beat leaves you going to the next race week and, and scratching your head. And actually, Will Buxton, by, by the way, who I thought was exemplary today, yeah. also asked him about it because actually Nico, before the start of the race, came on the radio and said, I've got a hesitation in my start procedure. What do I do? Something uh-huh. like, I can't, I mean, something on those lines. And he reported back and said that. And he actually asked during the interview with Lewis after the race, was that, did you hear that? And he, and he kind of looked at him kind of quizzically like, hmm, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to answer that, but no, I had no problem with my, I had no hesitation in my starting thing. I said, well, you know, I felt like saying, well, what did go wrong then, Lewis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I you, think he just he, choked. 
But he, I mean, really, I mean, he's had the better of Rosberg. And I, I think today could have been really significant. We'll look back when we get to Austin and we're sitting there in the stands or sitting there in the, in the commentary booth going, hey, man, the championship's on the line. And the reason is because he kept messing his starts up, including a massive, massive day at Monza, where I think, and that's why I wanted to play that kind of, you know, bravado by, uh, bravado by um, Rosberg, because it's the first time we've really seen him you know, grab the crowd and also just sort of say, hey, this is my day. I'm not going to let Lewis steal the day and I'm not going to let Vettel talk in Italian to the Italian fans and make it a Ferrari fest. I'm going to talk to my fans as well in Italian. He's a very educated guy is Rosberg. And I think today he just showed a different side of him. Yeah, very uncharacteristic, really. But, well, it was obviously a fantastic uh, race, especially at the beginning. There were several parts about Formula One, but I want to talk about what else we got on the show today, because obviously ah. with Kevin Schwantz, we're going to talk a lot about MotoGP and... Suzuki back I on know, the... Suzuki. I'm just Incredible. glad Kevin put the champagne bottle down to come in. <laughs> <laughs> I am so good that you're in town, man, because I know you're rushing off again, but uh, it, you are the perfect person to talk about what has been a fantastic day uh, for, for a kid in... in in MotoGP and let's not forget the kid is 21 years of age uh, Maverick Vinales and it's his first win in You know MotoGP. what really put his age in perspective? You know who he was named after? <laughs> yeah, Top Maverick Gun. from Top Gun, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel old now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I guess the, the, the cool part about it is he had to do it twice. You know, he looked like he was in the process in that first lap uh, of the first start. He was in. He was getting ready to hand them their heads on a platter then. That's what and I'm sure as he rode into pit lane, he's like, oh my, now we've just got to try and do this again. Mm-hmm. But to have the composure that he did and to get another decent start, not a great start, didn't lead it into the first turn, but had the opportunity to make a couple of passes, made the pass, and then just started distancing himself from those guys. Exactly. The first time I go, what a lucky shot. Run, Maverick, run. But the second time I was like, whoa, okay, I'm going to call this skill now because he actually pulled it off the second time. The first time, you know, I might get lucky in 100 tries, but mm-hmm. Maverick did it twice on the same day or in the same crowd, the same anxiety. The first one that, that might keep, make you scratch your head, too, was that first start. Laverty was second. Yes, when that's they, right. When they red flagged, <laughs> he disappeared and, after that. And, and then he, he he backed up. I didn't see what exactly happened to him. I know he and somebody bumped a little bit. Maybe he and Brattle. He was down before, in seventeenth by the third lap. Yeah. So I don't know what happened there, but I, I was thinking, wow, this these. And I had thought that I, I thought when I. You know, it was kind of early this morning when I when I woke up and turned the TV on. Um, That's what DVRs are for, Kevin. I watch it about and, and, and six I, o'clock aside tonight. And, 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 he and got I up thought, to go shoot birds. I, he I wasn't thought watching. they said that he'd gone with the soft tire in the front. And I thought, oh, well, that's what got him that gap in the first first. It'd just be interesting to see if they'll last. And then when they threw all the tires up, he was on exactly this. He was on a, a, media, a hard front and a medium rear, just right. like everybody else who was anywhere. Marquez was the only one that made the soft front work for a while. Mm. And had he not just... Only just though. gone bonkers the last couple of laps. Uh, you know, if he'd have just stayed calm, he didn't. He'd ended up second. I know it was a dumb move at Stowe. I mean, of all places, you see, I he mean, actually hit Crutchlow. He actually hit Crutchlow. They actually showed the super slow mo of of his hitting his knee. I mean, it was a scary moment. And That's I mean, crazy. it's a very fast corner. Yeah, it's, it's like not, a third or fourth gear corner. It's not real corner. fast, is it? <laughs> not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> and th- by the way, if he's if he's saying it's it's fast, let me ask you though. I mean, in in I mean, like I said, it's delightful that you're here because it's Suzuki. They, it's nine years, and I mean, you know, 
you you uh, were in the heyday, Barry Sheen in the heyday of Suzuki's winning back when in, in the day. And then they went through a massive drought before, uh, you know, Sete Gibbonau and then obviously um, uh, Kenny Roberts. But, um, you know, it's been a long, long period. Good you remembered that name. I thought you were going to struggle with that. I was going to have to help. Well, they said that this is the... Jr. Yeah, exactly. They had said this was the first Suzuki win since 2007 with Chris Vermeulen. That's right. In the wet at Le Mans. Yeah. Wow. And the last dry race would, would go back to Gibber now in 01, I think they said yeah, before correct. that. Yeah, Valencia. And yeah. if you back up much further than that, it'd be Kenny in 2000. Wow. Or it'd be Beatty in 95, probably. Yeah. You know, what do you think? And so uh, David Abrevio announced he was going to Suzuki on Speed City. We're lucky to have that here. But does he look like a genius now <laughs> doing this and forecasting what's happening and putting Suzuki on the podium the way he's done? You know, I, I I think Brivio, whatever he's done and however he's done it, whether it's working with Yamaha, helping to put together together the deal that took Rossi from Honda to Yamaha, uh, and get, get this Suzuki Grand Prix team back up and running, uh, and running right at the front now. Um, you know, he he's a professional. He he seems to be able to to see a lot in a, in a young rider, um, even more so than most of us who feel like we know a lot about the sport. Um, you know, when he said Maverick, I was like, oh. You know, well, okay, just got to get another Spanish guy on the bike, don't we? But Maverick has done nothing but impress me since he first got on the Suzuki. So uh, tip of the hat to Brivio. And, and I think it was pretty much his complete recommendation that Maverick was. And, um, you know, I, I don't think the Japanese had any say in it whatsoever. I think maybe they, they, they kind of nodded their heads and said, yeah, young, that's a good idea. Let's keep, uh, you know, let, let's get another guy who's proven somewhat. But um, Maverick and Aleish have done a great job developing that Suzuki, and I think you saw Aleish pull up beside Maverick and congratulate him. And I think uh, there's a it, it happened. I'm sure it's still going on that big party in in oh, England right now. Well, let me ask you this: This is a program that literally two years ago, and I remember you were here and you were looking at the bike yourself, and I know you were very close to watching it develop. They still, you know, turn to you occasionally to to talk about, you know, what you know when this was all coming together. You were in the picture as well to be part of it, and I know that you've been very close to this. Why now? Because at the beginning of this race, we had a rain practice, so we went into this with a lot of different tire choices, um, but. But Suzuki weren't. I mean, we knew he got a pole. You know, we knew he was there on the front row, but we didn't think, oh yeah, this is going to be an easy Suzuki win. In fact, Cal Crutchlow said this should be a walkover for Ducati today in the dry at Silverstone at a fast and long, airy track. So why today? Why Suzuki? Why why today? Do you think? You know, I, I have no idea. Um, it's just one of those things that you get the bike right, you get the tires right, uh, and, and you know, I think we heard Maverick say on the podium after the race how confident he is how well how much he likes Silverstone how he feels like when he's ever he's there he stands a chance of winning whatever race it is he's been in Moto3 Moto2 Moto GP so um, you know that that I think is is once again one of the biggest part of the equations is how good is that motorcycle but how strong is that guy that's sitting on top of it and not physically strong but mentally strong and Maverick's proven today not the first start and not just a little lead at the end of the first lap but he did it again a second time didn't do any harm sorry this season to me has just been often awesome with all the different winners but i honestly kind of felt like uh, mark marquez was living in a glass house today everything got thrown at him <laughs> eventually he came out the window and landed <laughs> he's, he's been living in a glass house for about three years <laughs> yeah but uh you know all the things that happened from the bump with uh 
gosh, our buddy from the boot camp. Uh, Redding. Scott Redding. Redding. Yeah. Yeah, Scott. The bump at the beginning was Scott right there. That could have changed everything. And he still managed to collect, and they kept going. But uh, there were so many bumps and near misses. I really sat up when Rossi and Marquez came together. There was no space for elbows between those oh, two. And you knew it was just going to keep going, too. They just battled for I don't know how long, but yeah, that was exciting. Side by side for what, four or five or six different corners. And, yeah. and then Marquez found a way. I think Rossi got just a little bit anxious, got on the brakes a little too hard getting into a corner, gave him just a bit of a gap. And then Marquez gets a sniff of Crutchlow. Oh, I'm going to get to second now. I'm, <laughs> you know what? I, I bet I can even still win this thing, which you got to give the kid credit for thinking that way. You know, I'm never going to give up. But you, when you're leading a world championship by the number of points you're leading them by and you're getting ready to, to, to pass a person, um, you know, t- it's not the last lap. It's not the last corner. Think about it. Make it calculated. Make it clean. Get by him. Disappear. And take your second place points and, and, and add six or seven points to your world championship lead. Well, that nicely leads on to a question I had because we're also looking at the legend that is Rossi, 250th Grand Prix today, 181st Premier program, uh, premier class uh, podium. Um, is he not the smarter guy right now? He picked up another podium. Okay, took a few points out of Marquez, but the way Marquez rode today, that gap has come down. Now he's second in the championship. You know, we've got seven races to go. If he beats him, if he just stays four points ahead every race, he's going to be there or thereabouts. Come Valencia again, and the wiser heads would say, if he if he gets an easy, you know, if he gets a normal race at Valencia rather than having to tie one down behind his mm-hmm. back and start at the back, he's on, holds on for another championship. You know, I, you, you can't ever count the 46 out, that's for sure. I think Valentino, um, you know, he, he was talking about rear, rear grip, drive grip problems in the back of the bike uh, from, from you know, before half distance. And you could see that he was struggling a little bit. He, um, he and Crutchlow seemed to understand early on that the Suzuki was working a bit better than their bikes, and they were just going to settle it amongst themselves. And Marquez kept slowing them down, so they both disposed to him and yeah. thought, okay, now let's go at it. Um, but, you know, Valentino... Ha, just has that that sixth sense of what's going on. How bad is this stuff getting underneath me? How much more can I get out of it? And with the exception of the mistake that he made here in Austin, um, you know, I, I was so surprised when he fell here. Yeah, uh, it, it's just one of those things that it's hard. It's hard to say, but he's always seemed to be the smarter, wiser, and, and definitely intelligent racer. Yep. All right, guys, well, we're going to take a break. We're joined in studio with uh, Kevin Schwantz talking MotoGP, and uh, we're going to continue to talk. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Formula One story, about the American possible interest in ownership. In takeover. <laughs> the takeover, that's the word. <laughs> All right, listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. Back after these quick messages. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. 
Hey Austin, the heat is on in Texas and that means it's time for a special summer sizzle from Ducati Austin. Time to head to the hill country on a pure Italian icon. Xdiavel, Multistrada or Scrambler. For the month of August, get 0 to 60 and take control of financing. 0% interest for up to 60 months or in-store credit. Come in store for details to Ducati Austin, 812 East Breaker Lane. Ducati Austin, Italian style and Texas soul since 2001. Hey everyone, Speed City host and Moto America commentator Jonathan Green here, letting you know that the long summer wait is over and it's time to go racing again. The grand finale of the Moto America season is just around the corner and the championships are all on the line. That's right, it's the Moto America Yamaha Superbike Challenge of New Jersey from September 9th through the 11th. Hayes, Bobier, Elias and Hayden as Yamaha try to defend against the hard-charging Suzukis. Come join us and see the best in two-wheel motorsport in America. Buy online and receive complimentary VIP paddock passes. Kids under 12 go free. For more information, go to www.motoamerica.com. Don't miss the Fanstand ATX Thursday night game of the week. The snap, it hits one of the up men, and Anderson will fall on the football at the 32-yard line. He catches it and avoids the defender, dives for the end zone, and what a play. Lundquist takes the snap, he fakes, he's going to throw deep down the middle, it's wide open, and it's Dean Dixon caught on the three-yard line, he's into the end zone. Touchdown, Anderson. Thursday night at 7 on Talk 1370 and FanstandATX.com. The right choice for breaking news first. Talk 1370. The right choice. Welcome back to Speed City. Live from Austin. We're talking uh, MotoGP. I want to stick with MotoGP for a little bit longer. We do have that Formula One story we're going to talk about. But what do you have for MotoGP, Jonathan? Something else? I, I just wanted to. Now we got Kevin in here. I just want. What, what about Jorge? Where where's he gone? I mean, yeah. uh, Lorenzo is the world champion, and he. I mean, he was hardly mentioned in the commentary today. He was like eighth or seventh or something like that. But but I mean, he, you know, what happened when everybody was scrapping for second place? Yeah, four or five guys were going at it. He was half a second, three quarters, or maybe a full second behind, and he could not make any ground on those guys racing. He was just in front of uh, Alicia Spargaro. Right. And then ended up, Alicia passed him, pulled away from him, then ran off the track, and I guess got penalized a second, or was going to get penalized a second at the end of the race. But um, I have no idea what's happened. Uh, you know, has... You know, and it, it's it's silly to make an assumption like that, but I'm sure George is going to say that Yamaha is trying to make my life miserable because he's leaving, right? Because <laughs> he's going to Ducati. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it does seem strange. It's almost like a, a a confidence thing because, all right, Bruno was wet, and you know, you you you're careful in the wet because you don't necessarily want to be a hero when you don't have to be. And he is fighting for the championship. He was, you know, he's second, third in the championship. Uh, there's only a couple of points between him and Rossi, but Rossi looks to be riding completely unfettered, and he looks to be riding cautiously or at least unconfidently. And that's why I thought, you know, maybe, you know, I say it's interesting to see you agree because it's just odd. I mean, for example, Alex Lowe's today rode Bradley Smith's bike to 12th place, never ridden the thing. And so he probably wasn't that far up the road you know, behind Jorge. So I'm just, it just seems very strange that, like you say, while we were watching this amazing scrap at the front, I kept thinking to myself, well, where's the world champion? (laughs) I think it also lets you know how deep the talent is and how good all the bikes in the field are now. Uh, You know, you have a bit of an off weekend. You don't get things set up right. You got a couple wet practice sessions. Don't let you get that thing working quite like you want it to in the dry. And then they throw a dry race at you. It's easy. It's easy to back yourself up to, you know, even outside the top 10 sometimes. 
Well, one thing's for sure, that race was astounding. Jonathan, yeah. you called me and I hadn't seen it yet, and you were like, I'm not going to say a word, you just watch this. And I, I just was unbelievable. The action behind Vinales and all the, the way. And the cameraman they put on the back of Rossi's bike. That yeah. was, I mean, he's only a little guy, but I mean, he did a really good job of staying <laughs> with that, the that guy was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, well, I, I want to move, move on to Formula One, back to this story we're talking about. But first, I want to remind everybody, we have Ryan Dial, who's going to be on the show in about 10 minutes. Hey, about fine Scotchman, if ever I saw one. <laughs> Yeah, not a Floridian, as I actually. Well, he is a Floridian. But well, yeah, it's true. But yeah, he uh, he had a great he's weekend. He's the marathon man. <laughs> he had a great weekend in Mexico in WEC, and he's coming to Austin and to do the, I think they're calling it the Double D-Owl, where he's going to race. <laughs> That's IMSA, nice. I IMSA, like it. IMSA and WEC in, uh, in two weeks, guys. In two Star completely different cars. That is going to be a mind meld. That's going to be pretty crazy, yeah. He one does. The daytime, he one he loves night. Austin, Wait, Didn't though. he do this last year, and then he also offered to drive for Uber on the way to the track? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got an Uber story. Let's wait a minute. We have to mention this Uber. This Paul is Tracy comment. Who? I, am I the only person in Christendom that, 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 that didn't hit that missed this? Was in the middle of the indie commentary. As we all know, Paul Tracy is outspoken. He's kind of a, a schwantz of, of indie. I mean, you know, you can tell it like it is. So they go to him and they say, "Hey, Robin Miller. Does, so what's uh, what's uh, Andretti going to do next year? Marco Andretti. He's not doing so well. Thinks leaving his dad's team and joining Brian Herter. Uh, and they go, oh, that's one of the rumors, yeah, but I don't think he's got that many options. And Paul Tracy goes, yeah, about the only ride he's going to get is Uber. Oh. <laughs> I was like, whoa! Uh, and my favorite thing was the rest of the commentators completely ignored it and yeah, went carried on. on. <laughs> carried on. Crickets. Be- better keep talking. Better cover yep. that one up. Whoa! <laughs> and moving right along. All right, speaking of moving along, I'm going to read this headline. This is in Forbes, and I tweeted this uh, from the Speedcaster account about a half hour ago. It says, Formula One sale to Liberty Media. Liberty Media is a done deal. Now, uh, look, I know there's no checks been passed and no contracts been signed, but that's this is Forbes.com, and and that's a pretty strong headline. And I know, Jonathan, you have been all over this and following all well, the different... Well, uh, yeah, as you know, I mentioned it last week on yeah. the show. Uh, yeah, John Malone is a huge media mogul and an American, and one which makes me very interested in this story. Uh, as we've heard, there's always rumors about the sale of Formula One. And let's face it, the guy's not getting any younger. Uh, Mr. Eccleston, that is. Um, and I, he does his hearing younger. He's, he's, his hearing is going, too, if you heard Rolbox. Yeah, he's dating younger. Yeah, I know that. Sensational interview. Seminal interview, that. <laughs> what? What? No, I've not heard nothing. Um, absolutely brilliant. But, yes, there is a big story. And, in fact, um, it's gathering moss. You know, this, this story won't go away. Uh, Eddie Jordan, evidently, a former team owner and the guy that was doing the interviews at the end of the race, actually put uh, Bernie on the spot and said, are you selling? You know, are you going to be involved? Are you selling? And, again, he's denied, denied denied, as is McKenzie from CVC, but it won't go away. The figure is $8.5 billion. Uh, there's a lot of talk about keeping Bernie involved because obviously the teams are all contracted. You know, the, the, the deals that, that, that have been done over the last year, you know, since 1970s have all been effectively, you know, kind of whether, whether he's in the middle of those deals or not, Bernie's always been a part. Um, but it would be a massive story both for Formula One and for Formula One globally as well. Yeah, it's crazy. And if this were to happen, guys, I'm just thinking about the ramifications. You know, we, since we started the show five five years ago or so, we've been saying all the components that need to really build an American audience in Formula One. 
obviously we now have the track here. We've got an American team, all these components, but nothing like having American ownership of a company that owns a broadcast network to help, uh, help yeah, us along. Yeah, I mean, if there's a criticism to be made of Formula One, I do think that, that the media side of it is, is, is the smaller side. I think it's, it's never been developed as much as it's been. They've been very tight with stuff, uh, and I take my hat off to them. You know, I've worked for them. They're, they're an amazing company. Um, but, you know, uh, in this t- country especially – you know, you've got to promote, promote, promote. And, you know, here we are. We do our bit. But, you know, th- there's a lot more that Formula One as a global entity and a global entity that represents so many big products could do more with. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, the, the, the manufacturers and, and so on and so forth, it's a this could be a really exciting time in the next 10 years. Yeah, it's going to be crazy to follow this, and we'll hope to see what happens here. We're, we're everyone's periscoping now. Somebody tweeted us they want us to periscope, so we're periscoping, so we, we're all distracted. How weird. <laughs> well, any I other? Didn't, I didn't invite these people in here. <laughs> all right, what are the components to this? I mean, I mean, I think about this. There's no telling what kind of investment that these guys could bring to Formula One. I just hope that... that uh, that this happens, honestly. That's what I'm saying. I well, hope it happens. I, and let's be honest. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, uh, the, uh, this is the, the Formula One has been run a certain way for a long, long time, and, and it's been very, very successful. Let's face it. It's got a global audience of over 500 million. It's a huge success. I was just about to say this Forbes article talks about how much money is being made by Formula One. And, you know, you got to credit Bernie with that. Absolutely. He, is, he has been a and big part And by the way, whatever happens, I hope Bernie is involved because they need him. And I, I know. mean, if we can put him on ice with Walt Disney and keep him going, <laughs> please, please, because he, he, he is the empresario of all empresarios. I mean, what he has achieved has been incredible. Well, he's achieved a lot, but he was uh, pretty uh, cagey today with Will Buxton. We have that clip. We have the audio from NBC today. You've got to play it. We've got to play. This is Bernie Ecclestone uh, being interviewed by Will Buxton. It was just a quick on-the-grid kind of thing. Let's, let's play that now. Mr. Eccleston, a new three-year deal for Monza. How excited are you to be back for another, another three years at Monza? It's good news, right? Yeah. And, and Formula One apparently is going to have new owners next week. Really? Is that going to be done? I don't know. It's what I've read. I know about that. You're, you're always the man that knows about these things. No idea. No idea. No idea. None at all. You're still going to be here. Pardon? You're still going to be here. Well, I still be here. I'm here. Thank you, Bernie. Clear as mud. <laughs> I love... Here, I'm starting the I love Will Buxton I club. That was, I've done that job. That is a hard job to do. He is brilliant at it. And that is actually a brilliant interview. Yeah, it was really as good. As always, Bernie, clear as mud. Yeah, clear as mud. <laughs> Absolutely. He says nothing. If you DVR'd it and you didn't see those at the very beginning of the show, you have to go back and look at it because Bernie's expressions, it was pretty uncharacteristically Bernie because he looked kind of flustered just a little bit. Yeah, he got... Oh, he, that, that's the way to get Bernie is when he's not, you know, talk. He's yeah. very good at always talking to somebody. So, you, you, you know, yeah, when you're yeah, away, yeah. and he knows he watches the live mics okay. and Brundle comes out. We'll and, set him up. Great. Isn't it great? You're here at you know, Monza for three more years. Oh, yeah. This is easy. I can talk to Will about this. Yeah. Then Will made a 90 degree Boom. turn. <laughs> what? Yeah, that was really good. Well, that is a big news story anyway, that Monza, because that has been off yeah. and on and off and on. And Monza's, you know, struggled to keep the Grand Prix. And it is such a great, I mean, you've been to Monza. I mean, it's such a great venue. I mean, I'd, lo- I'd love it to, you know, to stay on the calendar. And I think you saw the outpouring from the Tifosi today. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a grand event. It really is. I went to a test, a Formula One test there, and uh, it was one of the times I actually got to meet and stand around and talk to Ayrton Senna. And I, I just remember that as 
Wow, thinking, that's pretty cool. Wow, Monza, Senna, you know, what, <laughs> what else could <laughs> they want? Get any better? That's your bucket list. <laughs> yeah, what you, else? you check a few bucket lists left off that. Uh, All right, guys, cool. we got to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Lone Star Le Mans because Ryan Dial's coming on. He's going to talk about the Dial Double. And uh, so we'll be back after these quick messages. Listen to Speed City live from Austin. As a writer, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know it keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in Dan Easy leathers, the best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at MotoAustin.com. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Want to drive your car at speed on Circuit of the Americas? Edge Addicts is your source for more Coda events and more Coda track time. Whether you're looking to host your own event or just be a part of the action, Edge Addicts can get you in the driver's seat and racing like a pro. All levels of drivers and all types of cars are welcome, with instructors available for first-time and novice drivers. Life is short and adventure is around every corner. So plan your high adrenaline experience with Edge Addicts at edgeaddicts.com. Edge Addicts, it's better when you're driving. Hey everyone, Speed City host and Moto America commentator Jonathan Green here, letting you know that the long summer wait is over and it's time to go racing again. The grand finale of the Moto America season is just around the corner and the championships are all on the line. That's right, it's the Moto America Yamaha Superbike Challenge of New Jersey from September 9th through the 11th. Hayes, Bobier, Elias and Hayden as Yamaha try to defend against the hard-charging Suzukis. Come join us and see the best in two-wheel motorsport in America. Buy online and receive complimentary VIP paddock passes. Kids under 12 go free. For more information, go to www.motoamerica.com. Talk 1370. The right choice. The following is a paid commercial program. Views and opinions expressed are those of the host or their guests and are not necessarily those of Talk 1370 or Intercom Communications. Hi, Brendan Hartley. This is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Jonathan, what'd you have? Hey, well, that was Brendan Hartley. The, oh, yeah. The Kiwi, the fast Kiwi who just won in Mexico. Did it again. Good for him. Brendan, lovely, lovely bloke. And I remember the first time we saw him in Austin, and he was a hot shit. His voice yeah. was cracking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he was the development. He was the, and he was, he's the simulator and development driver for, for Mercedes Formula One. So he was actually doing the simulation work for Lewis Hamilton back in the day. That's right, yeah. Well, but he was racing in Austin. He was blazing fast. He was kind of a Marquez-like because he was so... So crazy fast, and I think he was actually taking a couple of chances, and he crashed out of that first race here in Austin. But he has he has since cleaned up his act, I guess you could say. He's he, done pretty well. I've watched his career. For, you know, he started off in single seaters. He was actually one of the Red Bull kind of chosen chosen men, as it were. And they let him go. They they have a strange kind of the Red Bull kind of development program with young drivers is odd. They take on some of the fastest drivers in the world and develop them, and then suddenly kind of go, oh, we're not using you anymore. And there's a few like there's a few like that. Kvyat came up the same way, and now now look what what's happening to him you know it's a tough it's a tough game Red Bull um, but it but it, you know it can lead to other things and certainly he was one of the chosen few and now alongside Weber and Lieb he's 
unbelievable in WAC. And another brilliant win by Porsche yesterday. You know, last year when he was here, he and I had some time to just chit-chat, and he was like, it's just so amazing to be in a team meeting and look, and there's Weber, and other way, there's Timo, and they're sitting there yeah. actually helping. He said that was a big difference is on that team. He said they're actually like big brothers helping him to <laughs> understand what to do here, why not to do what you might think is natural. Well, that, like, yeah, I don't know if you've read. How cool is that? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you've read Weber's book, but you know, in the book, he talks about working with Vettel, and obviously, literally, they were two different sides of a garage for a long time. And there's Vettel doing all the winning, and you know, Seb, you know, multi twenty one. Seb, do you remember those days where you know he was getting not getting a looking from Vettel, and he said that when he joined Porsche and was open up with all these other drivers, he said it was just such a breath of fresh air to be sharing information and 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 stuff. I mean, Kevin, you can probably talk to this. You know, it's a solitary world when you're fighting for a world championship, especially you don't share much with your teammate. Um, but in, in, in endurance racing, it's a whole different ball game. You need your teammates. Yeah, absolutely. And to try and figure out what that setup is, it makes everybody happy, whether it's in a car or on a bike. Um, you know, it's not a happy medium to find, but, uh, you know, teammates that work well together and, and talk and communicate uh, definitely make that job easier. Hey, we just heard from Ryan Dial. He's going to be calling in. I think he just called in in just a second. But, yeah. um, You know, I'm always asked one question when Kevin's going to be here. I'm not going to ask that question this time. (laughs) But I will ask, Kevin, are you going to be on two wheels anytime soon? Next week. Goodwood Revival. (laughs) That's not where you were going, though, is it? What what what, Come on, what are you doing then? Uh, I am riding um, a Manx Norton. Ooh, yes. A lot of fun. What year? The Revival. It's I don't know what the vintage is, what the era for this for this year specifically is. Uh, it's a Ken Macintosh built machine. I've ridden ridden his bikes a couple the past couple of years. So, do um, old bikes kind of? I mean, you know, my good buddy Steve Martin. He, he rides in the Katanas down in uh, <laughs> Phillip Island every year, and they are doing unbelievable speeds. And he's up against people like McWilliams, and they're not holding back. I always think though, how confident are you on an old? I mean, you know, they're well prepared, obviously, but it's still an old 80, you know, and your bike's going to be even older, and you are going to be racing it. <laughs> I rode with Jeremy in, uh, in Australia this, earlier, this, uh, earlier this year in, uh, in the spring and rode a XR69, it was called, so GS1000, basically, with a different uh, factory frame and some different stuff underneath it. And they're big pigs to ride. You know, they're fast. They don't, they don't stop. They don't turn. There's a, there's a lot to it. It's like a 60s there's muscle a, car. A whole, lot, a whole lot more effort than I really want to put into it. But the older stuff, the uh, the, the Manx is a lot of fun. Doesn't have enough brakes to get you in much trouble. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's when they tried to switch the shifter from the left side and the right side that really confused me. And then I had to crash it. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Well, once you crashed it, then you've got the limits and you're away. All right, guys. We have our next guest on the line. We're going to bring him on. He is going to be coming to Austin for the Lone Star Le Mans two weeks from now, and he's going to be doing the D, the DL double. So, Ryan Dial, welcome to back to Speed City. Yeah, thank you for having me back on. Always fun. Hey, guys. Man, uh, this is going to be great. We're already seeing some of the teams show up, and so the excitement's starting to build up around here. Uh, what are you bringing new to us in your double here? Well, uh, I'm not sure how many other people are doing doubles, but I know there's, there's not too many of us. Um, I've never actually done a double on the same day. Uh, I've done it a couple of times in my kind of career. It's one race Saturday, one race Sunday. So I'm just hoping I, I figure out where all the buttons are. Uh, both cars are quite different. I got the Corvette IMSA car and then the Patron uh, P2. So 
I wish at the start of the year I tried to convince them to pull the buttons where, where I wanted, but apparently there's teammates that had to stay too, so I didn't get my way. <laughs> oh, override those. Hey, listen, first of all, congratulations from yesterday. I mean, tell us about uh, Mexico. Yeah, uh, lots of chips and salsa, which was nice. I'm a big <laughs> food fan, but... Um, no, it's cool because I haven't been there since uh, 2008. I think it was the last time that we went there with Grand Dam. And um, just a great event, you know, passionate fans. And uh, they all, you know, like to pack out their stadiums. But um, no, it was good. We had, we had a good race. Uh, I think we finished kind of what we deserved. We were kind of third, fourth all weekend. And uh, got caught with a red flag in qualifying. So we actually started the back. And. Uh, we were like kind of like a machine ping 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 pong ball for uh, the P1 cars for the first hour, and uh, found ourselves a number of laps down in the first hour, uh, and then we just clawed our way back. Five hours to go, had a couple of good stints uh, myself in the middle, and conditions uh, got a little tricky. And then we we put people Durani in for the last couple of hours, and uh, we lucked out a little bit. You know, I think fourth was where we were going to end up, but um, we had over 800 guests there from Tequila Patron. Uh, our factory, uh, the distillery, is actually about a four-hour drive from Mexico City. So it's kind of cool to get down there. You know, these are people that don't get to see what we do often. So uh, it was nice to get on the podium and, and at least do it for our home. Well, that combination, we're lucky to have you on the show. Uh, how did you, how did you get out of there yeah. in one piece? You're a Scotsman. Uh, well, I, I uh, managed to hitch a ride back out with uh, Mr. Patrol, so it was, it was oh. nice to managed to get out there. <laughs> and... Uh, Back home for Labor Day weekend here in the States. Back in Florida, right? Yeah, no, uh, back home in Florida, and I uh, got some friends over tonight, so I told them I had to put everything on hold to, to come and talk to you guys. You're, awesome. a good, you're a good man. I think we asked you this last time. What, do, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you wearing these days? You've got a, Kevin's got a, Kevin Schwantz, by the way, is in, is in our guest uh, today here in the studio. He's got a question, but I want to know what you're driving at the moment, because we had you on last time, and you were, you were all excited because you had the ultimate car that you were driving around Florida. Oh, I, I had my uh, GT3. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I traded that, actually. No! Um, <laughs> I know. I traded it for a, a 458 Ferrari. So, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Here I am worrying yeah. about it. And, uh, hey. No, I... Uh, hey, Ryan, I was... Well, it was, it was a little very sweet deal. But the GT3, which I loved, uh, still one of the best cars I ever drove. Like any 911 Porsches, one of the best sports cars you have. And then I actually won a car after the World Challenge season. I, I won a 911 Porsche in Germany, huh. which I was pretty excited to go over and get until I get told I couldn't bring it back to the U.S. So <laughs> I found myself with a, a car in Germany that I couldn't bring to the States. And uh, I sold that, and I was like, you know what? Childhood dream, time to do it. So uh, I bit the bullet and somewhat regret selling my GT3. So maybe I'll uh, flip it back. Hey Ryan, it's Kevin Schwantz. I was out at um, out at Circuit of the Americas the other day, and I saw the Fords out there testing, the BMWs out there testing. I'm not sure I saw the Corvettes there. Are those guys trying to get a leg up on you? <laughs> uh, well, you know, we uh, we had a pretty good test. We we did a GM test uh, at Road Atlanta a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was all the Corvettes, uh, both DPs and GTs, and so. I know. I, I feel like the we had a couple of rough races with the Visit Florida deal. And uh, we had a really good two-day test there, so I know we got fancy new paint job on the Physics Hornet car, so I feel like that should have had at least a half a second uh, in speed to it. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we'll see what we get. Colton's a difficult place. I mean, it's one of the probably more challenging tracks. It's, it's always that balance of 
is it high speed, low speed, high downforce or low downforce? Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the, you know, to me, one of the best tracks in the world, and uh, for sure one of my favorite cities in the world uh, to get to come to Austin. So I got a big entourage coming. I got twenty odd people. Awesome. The championship's up still really close, too, isn't it? Six or seven points between two or three different cars? Um, we, I'm a little bit out of it. Uh, I missed the race with my conflict with Patron uh, in the World Endurance. So I actually, I'm a little bit further down, but my teammate, I think, is still in the top five somewhere. Um, you know, we're still, I think at this point, we kind of shift our focus to manufacture and, and try and get Corvette, at least the manufacturer championship again, which is looking pretty good as of now. So two races to go in IMSA, uh, four races to go in WEC, maybe five races. I lose track at this point of the year, but kind of a long way to go. Uh, so we're hoping for a good result. Good, good luck is all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, looking ahead to Austin, uh, Ryan, obviously you always put on a show. We've, we've, I've loved watching you come here uh, right from the first time that you did uh, in, in uh, IMSA. But uh, in WEC especially, uh, you've got a real battle going on in LMP2. Are we going to see more of the same uh, in, in terms of what we saw at Mexico, uh, in terms of how close it, it is in, in, that, in that battle? Yeah, for sure. I, I think that right now, you know, us especially, we, we switched to the Nissan this year with Patron, and uh, I think we've kind of started to get our head around it. Then we made a big tire change. We went from the Dunlop to the Michelin uh, right after Le Mans. So Mexico was only our second race on the Michelin, um, and they haven't had a huge uh, factor in P2 for a number of years. So it's very much a development. We we definitely got some pace in Mexico, and, and hopefully we can continue that in Cota, but yeah, it's, it's such a good championship. I mean, I, I'm kind of very fortunate to be my third season right now uh, in WEC and lost count of how many seasons in IMSA at this point. But um, both cars, I think, have good opportunities to, to win. And uh, both fields are great. It's just uh, going to be a cool day. It's going to be a long day for me. So uh, hopefully, yeah. they, hopefully they're nice to me, both teams, and they don't make me work too hard. I got an idea with that steering wheel thing. Why don't you just say, well, I'm just going to take the steering wheel from the IMSA car and just bring it over to the other car. That way you don't have to worry about all those buttons. <laughs> Make it simple. That's a great idea. Well, the good thing is they're not attached by a cord, so I can just flip one out and flip one on. But on a serious note, I mean, breaking points, uh, time in the car, day to night, you're doing one race at the day and one at night. I That's mean, crazy. this is going to be a mind meld. This is going to really challenge you mentally. Yeah, I... I'm trying not to think about it. <laughs> Good. I'm glad uh, I brought it up. <laughs> I, I remember I remember at the start of the year when, you know, I was uh, negotiating the two deals and, and I had to get kind of blessings on both sides. Um, and this was the one race that, that came up, like, in, you know, is this doable? Um, I said yes, of course. I'm super confident at the time. But, uh, yeah, it, it'll be fine. The good thing is the car's lap times are not too dissimilar. Um, the P2 car in WEC form has a lot less horsepower with a lot more grip, stickier tires. Um, and then IMSA is the old school, big horsepower, low grip, more downforce. So it's not going to be too different. For me, the hardest thing is going to be the, remembering the rules and remembering oh, the restart yeah. rules, the, you know, the green flag, yellows, full course yellows. They're very different now. They used to not be too different between safety cars, now we have these virtual safety cars. We have full course yellow eight kilometers. Um, that's the one thing. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm not smart enough to just remember this stuff. So uh, as long as the radio doesn't go out, I'm going to be good. And I'll have some. I've already sent notes to both teams to uh, keep reminding me of uh, the do's and don'ts so I, I don't make any mistakes. But 
I think we'll be okay. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah. I'll drop my commentary gig and come and do a spotting <laughs> job for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can be my teacher. Just remind me what to do and don't start. <laughs> of course, I always ended up in the principal's office. So, <laughs> Oh, you'll definitely have company there with Jonathan Colin. You know, Ryan, when yeah. you were talking about them coming to you about this and you're and you know saying, do you want to do this? This is something you can never say no to. You have to, uh, yeah. you have to say yes and then later go, how the heck am I going to do this? But you can't say no to that. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, and I, uh, my priority was always patrolling the deal. You know, I've had multiple years contracts with them and, and really I had to go to, to Ed Brown and Scott Sharp and, and really just beg them. Um, the cool thing about those guys, especially Scott being, you know, a longtime driver was he understands this is a profession and, you know, opportunities like this don't always come along. Um, and I, and I found myself with two great opportunities this year that, like you said, you can't say no to it. You know, there's years where it wasn't too long ago that I had no full-time deals in racing and uh, very fortunate to have a couple of full-time deals, great, well-funded programs and uh, opportunities to win, which, you know, as much as law drivers say it's great just to be out there, it's not. It's it's about winning and putting yourself in good positions and great bunch of guys on both sides between Visit Florida Racing and, and Tequila Patron Racing, so... I'm lucky. I'm having a great year and, uh, you know, don't want it to really end. But on the other hand, it's been a long season. Well, we know you're a learned scholar of the sport and you follow follow all aspects. And it's been a hell of a weekend for motorsport this weekend. I don't know how much you've had a chance to watch or at least be informed of what was going on, given that you were racing yourself. But uh, i got to ask you a question. We've got a Formula One championship that's heating up. We've got a MotoGP championship that's really heating up, too. Uh, but were your thoughts, first of all, Rosberg-Hamilton, are we going all the way? Uh, well, I have not seen the end of today's race. Well, I won't tell you but, who won then. Um, I'm very much uh, a Rosberg fan. I like his work ethic. and uh, Then you should watch the I race. He was, <laughs> all right, last I saw he was leading. But unfortunately, I think that Hamilton, there's not many drivers that really have that focus. And uh, I think the mind games, I think, is phenomenal uh, when it comes to, to the mind games. So, and he's really going to enjoy it. Yeah, more of a Rosberg fan, to be honest. It's going to be interesting. You're absolutely right. And we were just saying earlier in the show about the psychological way that Hamilton has always, I think, had the upper edge on Rosberg because Rosberg, in my opinion anyway, is a little bit of a, not not, not too much, but a nice guy. And I think it's been his Achilles heel over the years. But I think that's changing because he's had his nose rubbed in it uh, too long and he has got the same equipment uh, as uh, as Lewis. And, and I think yesterday was night and day to today and his performance, and you're halfway through it, but um, the bottom line, we were just saying with Kevin, you know, uh, Hamilton beat him by half a second. It was humiliating yesterday, and you could see it on his face, whereas he started brilliantly today, and Hamilton didn't. And uh, I think psychologically, um, definitely Rosberg stepping up uh, a bit this year. Yeah, I agree. I think he's had a, a pretty mega season. And, uh, you know, it, it'd be nice... Uh, if neither of them had to worry about these, you know, stupid penalties and stuff that's been going on in Formula One, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm glad it's still a tight championship. You know, deep down, I'd rather see Raikkonen or Vettel win a couple of races here, and uh, I think it's getting a bit boring for everybody. You know, we're only talking about two guys. It'd be nice to be talking about six or seven. 
Yeah, I mean, we were just getting excited about the fact that MotoGP has never had as many winners uh, since I think it was 2006. Uh, and, and again, another a new winner today. Uh, it was brilliant. So uh, we're very excited for that sport. I'm just I, I'm just so excited for the Lone Star Le Mans this year. I don't know what it is, but I just got a feeling that, you know, we, we've had, we've always had some good racing. But I think this year, particularly with the championships and the, and the classifications as they are, and certainly in WEC uh, and NIMSA, that, that it's going to be a really good weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, even on the WEC side, um, such big grids, uh, hugely deep uh, experience. Um, I think even looking at the GTM Pro, there's not a bad class this year. And uh, to have, you know, even if you just look at the Mexico race with the changing conditions, you really saw how the different chassis performed. You know, at one point, the Russian car, the SMP, looked really strong as it dried up. The Ligier then became really strong. And then at the end, the Orica... So, yeah, it's nice to see the diversity and, and, you know, ultimately the lap times are very close on the average of the race. Um, and then in IMSA, I, I think what everybody's looking forward to in IMSA right now is next year. I think next yeah. year is going to be a huge deal. Um, it's going to be nice to, to start fresh. You know, we're, we're still in this merger of Grand Dam and the LMS, and uh, it hasn't gone as smoothly, I think, with the equipment. I think we did the best we could with what we had um, to try and keep it, you know, a good spectacle and also to make it fair for everybody. But unfortunately, along that road, you, you kind of lose some good teams and cars. But I think next year, uh, if the rumors come true that, you know, what you're hearing about new teams coming in and, and GT teams stepping up to EPI and, and some new teams coming in from Europe, uh, looking forward to seeing how the new, new equipment looks in general and uh, hoping for good things. But Focus right now is Austin, and uh, I know that you guys all put on a good show out there for us, so we're looking forward to getting there. Right, Ryan. Well, uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, for the day for the DL double, I think you ought to do barbecue and and uh, Mexican food. Yeah, maybe we could get a restaurant to do a special dish. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a lot harder. Brisket and enchiladas. Uh, yeah, brisket and yeah, burritos. I think we're, we've been trying to figure out. Um, we're, we're trying to work on something just now and, and make it some kind of uh, charity donation thing. I, I do a lot of stuff for Rett syndrome. It's uh, a disease that my niece suffers from, and we're trying to figure out something cool to do and raise some money for us. So if we do uh, come up with something, we're running out of time, but if we come up with I'll let you guys know. Absolutely. Right, we'll perfect. we'll right. get that word around. You bet. When, do you, right. when do you get into town, you know? Uh, Wednesday morning, I'll be there. All right. Well, we'll be there with bells on. We'll come and interview you and publicize you and make sure everybody knows what you're doing. Excellent. Appreciate it. Thanks All right. Thanks, Ryan. Well. Travel safe, buddy. See you in Austin. Thanks. All right, guys. We're along. we got to take a quick break. We'll be back after these messages. Live from Austin, Texas, Speed City. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders, Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable, and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Admit it. You've sat there on the couch and thought to yourself that you would be a better race car driver than that guy. Just as the Speed City guys say, it's time to get off the couch and get it in gear. Mustang 4 Challenge is here to make that happen. Get in our race cars and learn how to race. We take you from the couch to the checkered flag, whether for one race or for the entire season. See for yourself at Mustang4Challenge.com. 
everyone, Speed City host and Moto America commentator Jonathan Green here, letting you know that the long summer wait is over and it's time to go racing again. The grand finale of the Moto America season is just around the corner and the championships are all on the line. That's right, it's the Moto America Yamaha Superbike Challenge of New Jersey from September 9th through the 11th. Hayes, Bobier, Elias and Hayden as Yamaha try to defend against the hard-charging Suzukis. Come join us and see the best in two-wheel motorsport in America. Buy online and receive complimentary VIP paddock passes. Kids under 12 go free. For more information, go to www.motoamerica.com. The racetrack. It's where legends are born. Where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. You've made the right choice. Talk 1370. Ed Brown and this is Pizza. All right, welcome back to Speed City. We got Kevin Schwantz, world champion Kevin Schwantz, in studio. So we're going to talk a little more two wheels. I thought we might talk NASCAR, Australian NASCAR. Well, yeah, we do yeah, have well, to talk a little Sean NASCAR. My buddy Sean Henselwood, I may add, who's listening in in Australia, reminded me that, you know, you're a bit of a hero down there, too. Are you won in NASCAR? I won the first time I ever got in a NASCAR down there. Mind you, it was on a road course, so. Who'd you beat? Did you, beat? did you beat anybody we'd know? Yeah, a bunch of Australians. What, like Wayne Gardner? <laughs> no, he wasn't actually there. He, he showed, wasn't? No, no, he showed up at the next Oval. It was like, Schwantz is getting all this publicity. I'd have done something in NASCAR. I better try. <laughs> love it. So he took his rivalry from two wheels with Gardner to, to four wheels. I love it. That is crazy. I can't believe you won. That is just, that's really, that's it was, mean it to was the rest a, of us. It was a three race evening. It was wet. We ran wet tires for the first sprint race. Second sprint race was wet to dry. And I think most of us ran wets again and just burned them up. But I finished third, second, and then the last race was in the dry. I finished first, one, three, two, one overall. Got me the got me the overall. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're gonna take advantage of Kevin here. Let's talk about uh, Moto America. I mean, it's been the second season. It's a fantastic season. We got the finale coming up. You know, it's uh, it's New Jersey and weather could play a part yeah um it d- usually does and looking at the storms yeah well you know and and yeah i guess the one g- great thing that we have to talk about being from texas is garrett Gerloff's leading yeah. the, the 600 series 600 class so hopefully a championship uh a, a young up-and-coming texan that i think um you know shows a lot of a lot of future i don't want to put big, the muckers big, on big him. promise yeah i don't want to put the muckers on him because he's under intense pressure from an absolutely i think one of the most naturally brilliant riders that we've got that we've produced in america for a long time and of course i'm talking about jd beach i'm not taking anything away from garrett and he wouldn't mind me saying this because he works hard at his craft um but jd who was last year's champion uh, had a bad start when they changed slightly. Uh, changed the rules slightly last year, and he struggled. Uh, sorry, this year, and he slightly struggled to get the bike up to, to scratch. And meanwhile, Garrett, right from the get-go here at um, uh, um, Cota, was was on it and has been leading. But the gap has come right down as the season's gone on, and he's under immense pressure right now. But if he holds it all together, and I think he will, um, you're right. I think it's really good news for Texas to have a great kid uh, like Garrett uh, do what he's doing. Superbike class, um, you know, Cameron Bobier leading it. Still some some possibilities for the guys out there to to possibly get the championship from him, but he'd have to be pretty silly and make some big mistakes there. So, um, but you know, if if weather, if it's in, inclement weather, you can sure slip off and not score any points pretty easy. Is he ready? 
to go to the big world stage. Obviously, that is what your old rival, uh, Wayne Rainey, is all about. And what Moto America is all about is to try to get these young guys to a position where they can do what you did uh, and go to the world stage. Um, I, you know, I was interested to see Alex Lowe's getting an opportunity from uh, Superbikes uh, this weekend uh, riding Bradley Smith uh, bike because he was out. Um, and, you know, uh, the opportunities are far, few and far between. When is Bobier going to be ready? That's the ride he should go take. Yeah, I mean that'd be a perfect opportunity mm. for him. He went over and did. Uh, he filled in for Guintoli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in uh, in England and did so, well. Yeah, you know, finished did, didn't do good in the first race. He finished top ten in the second one. So, um, you know, some more experience on the tires and the bikes. Know the electronics a little bit better. I, I think Cameron has, has has proven just how good he is. Uh, you know, he got thrown into the deep end. Had out had Mark Marquez as a teammate his first year in Grand Prix racing, and you know that would have made anybody look slow. So. Um, you know, I, I wish him the best. So, Kevin, what do you think about two years, Moto America? Are we on the right path here with getting the job done of, you know, doing what Jonathan just said? You know, it's um, to me, it's all been about TV and manufacturer support. You know, we, ne- we need the rest of the manufacturers all to get back in uh, full factory support teams. We, we, need it, we need it to be a championship like a, like a world championship is. We need it to be a world superbike. We need it to be a, a, the same level the British superbike is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's getting there. I think, I think progress is being made. I don't, I don't go to a lot of the races. I, I, I keep tabs on what's happening in the classes. But, um, you know, from what I hear from the people involved, John Ulrich is probably the guy I listen to the most about it. You know, I, I listen, man responsible I, I, for getting him onto the I next listen to him a little bit yeah. Yeah, when I was up it's and good coming, man to listen so. to. And he's still doing it, I, yeah. I, which I love. Well, he's still finding that young talent. Yeah, and he's and he's he's still got the desire to do it. I mean, he's he's motivated. He's he's enjoying it when he's when his guys um, on the Suzuki six hundred are winning the six hundred classes. Um, you know, you talk to him the next day; he's just as excited as he is. I think. Maybe after my tryout. So, um, you know, I wish everybody the best, and I think Wayne, uh, Wayne and company are, are are headed in the right direction. Anyway, last mention. I just want to mention uh, KTM Cup, which is obviously dear to my heart. Brandon Pash, Anthony Maziato, two young guys coming up. They're battling it out. They're both from Jersey. Look out for them on Being Sports. It's going to be a doozy in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Well, well next week actually. <laughs> all right, we're wrapping it up here. An amazing day. We didn't even get a chance to talk about. It. There's some. I didn't even get to watch everything that happened this weekend. Just incredible. But uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks to you, Kevin Schwantz, for coming in studio. It was fantastic to have your expertise. Good luck at Goodwood. <laughs> Glad to be yeah. here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and uh, thanks to Ryan Dial for coming on. And thanks, everybody. And go to circuitoftheamericas.com and get your Lone Star Le Mans tickets. And then go to Speed City Broadcast and download some audio. Talk to you next week. Happy Hello, trails. y'all. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.